What's going on, everybody? So I want to let everybody know about my new merch brand. Okay, so I just got one of my new t-shirts that came in yesterday. The reason why I created this brand was because I wanted everybody to think about allowing the stock market to pay for everything that you need. So if you want to go on vacation this summer or go on vacation later this year, don't pay for it, trade for it. If you need to pay for your daughter's tuition, don't pay for it, trade for it. If you want to get an investment property, a beach house, or whatever your life truly desires, don't pay for it, trade for it. If this is a brand that you want to be a part of, that you want to rock, look, go to www.tradeforyourself.com, click catalog, and go look at the products that I have. On top of that, I've got free shipping on all orders. So this is the perfect opportunity for you to rock up on a t-shirt like this. Look, remember, don't pay for it. Trade for it. I'm going to catch y'all later on the other side. The stock market was open. There were probably over 100 million shares traded on SPY, billions of dollars transacted, trillions of dollars transacted, okay? Bond market, stock market, the stock market was open, so it was a great day. Shout out to everybody who was participating in the stock market today. Shout out to all of the people who are not in the stock market yet, but are preparing themselves to get into the stock market. Okay, to, today's a good day. All right. So I don't want to belabor the time. You know, we've got some research to tap in with. We got some things to analyze. So again, welcome back to another episode of the Trade for Yourself podcast, where my mission here is very simple. I just want to help you learn how to trade for yourself. So make sure that you please like this. Okay, please like this. Please subscribe to this. Okay, please hit that notification bell. Okay, hit the notification bell so you can be in the know every single time I drop an episode. I drop episodes on Wednesdays, but I could drop episodes in other days. Okay, look, understand this, you know, the mission here is to help people make building wealth a priority for their lives. So please make sure that you like, make sure that you subscribe, because this information that we talked about today is going to be very, very important. Okay, look, understand this, please. I'm not a financial advisor. Okay, disclaimer, I am not a financial advisor, nor am I a fiduciary. You know, I don't manage money professionally. Okay, so please do your own research before investing into any stock. Now, Today, we're going to talk about Nike stock, okay? Nike stock is a company that I like, but a week or so ago, Nike stock had their quarterly earnings, okay? They had their quarterly earnings, and the stock dropped 13% in that one day. And so now we, we need to go over Nike stock analysis, and we need to analyze is it time to buy Nike stock now? And so we're going to go through the earnings report. We're going to go through some research, reasons to buy, reasons to sell. Look at where we are technically on the stock. And let's examine, okay, should we be buying Nike stock? And I have some thoughts about if you should buy it or not. But like I said, you need to do your own research, okay, before you buy. Okay, so... Let's go ahead and share screens really quickly here and let's get started because it's time for us to get started. 
All right, so we're going to start the discussion tonight here with Nike reports, okay, physical 2023 first quarter earnings results. Now, you may look at this and you may say physical 2023, like first quarter, like, wait, we're still in, we're still in 2022. Nike operates on a different physical calendar than most companies, okay, so that's why you're looking at this. And you're saying, okay, this is Nike's physical 2023 first quarter results, okay? And in the first quarter, Nike reported revenues of $12.7 billion, up 4% compared to the prior year, and up 10% on a currency-neutral basis. Now, what does that currency-neutral basis mean? Okay, so their earnings... Their earnings were actually... Well, the revenues were actually lower, okay? They were lower... On a on a dollar basis, but you know it was the currency neutral basis that affected their earnings. So, I talked about this in a previous episode of the podcast, episode thirty six. I talked about stocks and I talked about bonds. And so, in that episode, I talked about the strong U.S. dollar. Okay, the the, the dollar is strong right now in relation to other currencies, and other countries' currencies are weak right now. And so. Nike is a global brand, okay? We're going to look at the breakdown of the revenue and the profit from different regions that Nike operates in, but understand that Nike is a global brand, and not just Nike, but most large publicly traded companies are global brands, and so they're transacting with countries that are outside of the United States, and when countries are transacting outside of the United States, they're transacting in their native currency, right? They're transacting in the pound. They're transacting in the one. They're, they're, they're transacting in the peso. They're, they're transacting in the yen, right? They're, they're transacting in the euro. They're, they're transacting in other currencies, okay? And the global economy is not performing very well right now. And so you see central banks across the world right now trying to grapple with inflation, but also at the same time, their currencies getting beaten down. And so when they're transacting, and so when they're transacting and they're buying Nike, Nike products in a, in a currency that is not performing well, it's going to affect it because the dollar is higher. Because at the end of the day, Nike is reporting revenues in dollars, okay, but but a big portion of their revenue could be coming from the euro that could be lower. A good portion of the revenue could be coming from the yuan, which is lower. And so that's why we have to look at things from a currency neutral basis to kind of examine, okay, how is the business performing? Like if, if the global economy was if the global economy was just status quo and performing the way that it needs to perform and everything was balanced, okay, what would it what would it actually be? Now let's look at Nike direct sales. Now Nike direct sales were 5.1 billion up 8% on a reported basis and up 14% on a currency neutral basis. Nike brand digital sales increased 16% on a reported basis or 23% on a currency neutral basis, led by 46% growth in EMEA. Now, EMEA stands for Europe, Middle East, and Africa. Okay, gross margin. Okay, the profit that the business generated decreased 220 basis points to 44.3%. 
that's not good. Diluted earnings per share for the quarter was 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 93 cents down 20%, which was not good. Now, when we look at this, what's the good thing and what's the bad thing? The good things are is that Nike Direct and the brand digital sales are are they are performing very, very well and they are performing double digits. Okay. When we look at Nike and we look at the growth story, what is the growth story for Nike that management is telling us? Management is telling us that they are that they are working on the direct to consumer strategy. Okay. Going directly to consumers and giving them the products that they need. And we see that they are executing on that vision. And I believe that they will execute it, continue to execute it as well. Now, Gross margin decreased 220 basis points. Okay, so what? So what does that mean? Okay, so think of it like this: for every 100 basis points is one percent. Every 100 basis points is one percent. So if they're telling you that gross margin was down 220 basis points, that means it was down 2.2 percent. Okay, so that means that gross margin this time last year was around 46.5%, but now is 44.3%. You know, when we talk about businesses, we like to see revenue going up, but we need to see the profit going up as well. And seeing gross margins down 220 basis points and seeing profit down 20%, that's the reason why you see the stock price down 13%. And so that's something that we need to keep in mind and, and pay attention to. And for full disclosure, before we even go any further, so we can let everything know, like, let's go ahead and let the cat out of the bag, right? I believe in Nike as a company over the long term, and we're going to see why as we go through these as we go through these earnings. Now, our strong start to physical year 23 highlights the depth and breadth of Nike's global portfolio as we continue to manage through volatility said John Donahoe, president and CEO of Nike Incorporated. Our competitive advantages, including the strength of our brand, deep consumer connections, and pipeline of innovative product, continue to prove that our strategy is working. We, we expect our unrelenting focus on better serving the consumer to continue to fuel growth and create value like only Nike can. And so let's, 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 take, let's take a break right here and let's kind of dissect what what the CEO is talking about here. The CEO is talking about the company's moat, okay? Okay, now what is a moat? The moat is a competitive advantage that a company has in the marketplace. And when you when you think about Nike, you think about Nike's strong brand. Nike Nike has a strong brand recognition and and we know that it's recognizable globally, okay? We understand the Nike brand that itself but we also understand the Jordan brand, okay? The Jordan brand is a strong, strong brand globally. And so we have to respect that. We have to understand the assets that the company has just by owning that brand. Now, first quarter revenues increased 10% on a currency neutral basis led by Nike direct growth of 14%. Nike brand digital business fuel growth increasing by 23% driven by double-digit growth in EMEA, which is the Europe, Middle East, and Africa, North America, and APLA, which is our Asia, Pacific, and Latin America regions, partially offset by declines in greater China. Now, the company did not do well in China, and we'll talk about why that happened, okay? Now, wholesale revenues increased 1% on a reported basis and were up 8% on a currency neutral basis with growth due to improved levels of available supply of inventory for partners. 
Now, Nike's first quarter results set the foundation for another year of strong growth, said Matt Friend, executive price vice president and chief financial officer, Nike Incorporated. Our focus continues to be the consumer as we take action to navigate near-term dynamics while expanding long-term structural benefits through our consumer direct acceleration strategy. Now, this is important, and I listened to the Nike's Q123 earnings call, and there was, there was a consistent message that management was putting out on this call. And what they were saying was that they are focused on the long-term structure of Nike, okay? They understand that right now, inventories were up very significantly year over year. They understand that the profit that the profit hit that they took was significant, but they continue to reiterate and let everybody know and understand that, look, we are focused on the long term. And this is what I want everybody to understand. The long term is going to win out. We have to understand that right now, where we are right now is not an indication of where we will be five years from now, right? We, we want to know that we want to focus on what the long term, what's the long term goal is? Where do we want to be over the long term? That has to be the focus for companies, for strong companies that you invest in, you have to be understanding that we need to invest in companies that, that are focused on the long term. And that and that means we also need to check ourselves. And so now we have to check ourselves and say, am I really focused on the long term? Am I focused on the long term? And that's important for us to understand. Now, first quarter income statement review. Again, revenues were up 4% to $12.7 billion compared to the prior year, up 10% on a currency neutral basis. The revenues for the Nike brand were $12 billion, up 4% on a reported basis and up 10% on a currency neutral basis, led by the double-digit growth in North America, EMEA, APLA, partially offset by declines in greater China. The revenues for Converse were $643 million, up 2% on a reported basis and up 8% on a currency neutral basis, led by double-digit growth in North America and Europe, partially offset by declines in Asia. So we see that the Nike brand, specifically Nike and Jordan, lead the revenues for the company. Converse is a is a distant, distant third, okay? But they were generating six, $643 million in this quarter. You multiply that times four, the company, this particular brand is generating close to two and a half billion. So that's why they have to report it. And that's why it is important. Now, gross margin. Okay. This is related to our profit. Okay. Like we said, it decreased 220 basis points to 44.3%, driven primarily by elevated freight and logistics costs, lower margins in our Nike Direct business, driven by higher markdowns and unfavorable changes in net foreign currency exchange rates, including hedges partially offset by strategic price nationals, like we talked about, fluctuations in the dollar versus fluctuation in other currencies, okay? The overall decrease in margins was primarily driven by North America, which took measures to liquidate excess inventory through Nike Direct markdowns in wholesale marketplace actions, okay? Selling and administrative expense increased 10% to $3.9 billion. Demand creation expense was $943 million, up 3%, primarily due to normalization of spend against sport, sports marketing and brand campaign investments. Okay, Operating overhead expense increased 12% to $3 billion 
primarily due to wage-related expenses, strategic technology in investments, and increased Nike direct costs. Okay, well, let's look at this effective tax rate. The effective, the effective tax rate for the quarter was 19.7% compared to 11% for the same period last year, primarily due to the decreased benefits from stock-based compensation. Now, understand this, the tax rate is higher. And so what I want to highlight right here is that stock-based compensation. Okay, understand that when we're building wealth, look, look, look let's kind of wrap this up and talk a little bit about how we build wealth, okay? We build wealth by owning assets. Okay. When you own assets, your tax rate is lower. When you don't own assets, your tax rate is higher. And so they didn't have the benefit from having the stock, from having the asset. And so that's why the, the effective tax rate is now higher. Now, the net income was $1.5 down 22%. Like I said, it's not good. Diluted earnings per share, 93 cents per share, decreasing 20%. Now, now, let's look at the balance sheet review. Now, the inventories for Nike were $9.7 billion, up 44% compared to the prior year period, driven by elevated in-transit inventories from ongoing supply chain volatility, partially offset by strong consumer demand during the quarter. Now, inventories for the company were up 65% versus the prior year, in North America, okay, specifically in North America, inventory was up 65% with in-transit inventory growing 85%. Now, understand why these, these things have happened. Now, this reflects the combination of late delivery for the past two seasons plus early holiday orders that are now set to arrive earlier than planned and a prior year that, that was impacted by factory closures in Vietnam and Indonesia. Now, understand that, you know, a lot of companies are dealing with excess inventories for a myriad of different reasons, okay? Nike is dealing with this because of their supply chain volatility and just not really understanding the supply and the demand factor, okay? But Nike is not the only one that, that's dealing with excess inventories. Target is dealing with excess inventories. Walmart is dealing with excess inventories. NVIDIA actually overordered on their chips, right? And they're dealing with having to deal with, you know, the cost of their chips coming down, inventories overordering, not really understanding the supply chain. So everything around the everything around the global economy, not just in retail, but even in technology, everybody is having to deal with these excess inventories. But this was another, this was another continued message okay this was this was a consistent message that was on the call okay we are dealing we are dealing in retail in retail we are dealing with a promotional a promotional environment okay we are getting ready to go into a promotional environment now this is now this is october 5th we we are doing this podcast the trade for yourself podcast on october 5th and so we're getting closer to black friday we're getting closer to amazon prime day black friday you know um cyber monday okay it's the holiday season and so this may be a year to where we make it some of the best deals that we've ever gotten because of all this excess inventory that these retailers have to get off of right to get back to get back into profitability and so this may be a good opportunity for consumers to get some good deals also, on top of that, this is an opportunity for retailers to lower prices, 
okay lower prices as the years as as the year goes on if they are able to lower prices okay that might mean that we may have some better that means that we may have some better data in terms of inflation right prices continuing to come down okay we need broad range inflation to come down in order for the stock market to continue to go higher just keep that in mind now Cash and cash equivalents, okay? Cash and cash equivalents in short-term investments were $11.9 billion, down approximately $1.8 billion from last year as free cash flow was offset by share repurchases and cash dividends. Now, we're going to look at the balance sheet a little bit closer. I still see some positive things on this balance sheet, but I'm going to hold it. I'm going to hold it until we get to that point, okay? Because understand this. Understand what free cash flow is. Free cash flow is the money that the business has after it pays for its expenses. After it pays its expenses, it can use that free cash flow for investments. It can use that free cash flow to pay down some debt. It can use that cash flow to short the balance sheet. That gives you some versatility. That gives you some nimble movement to be able to shore up the balance sheet and be able to continue to have a strong business and have a strong balance sheet for your company. Now, shareholder returns. Now, now this is adding value to shareholders. How are the businesses that you own adding value as a shareholder? Now, Nike continues to have a strong track record of investing to fuel growth and consistently increasing returns to shareholders, including 20 consecutive years of increasing dividend payouts. In the first quarter, Nike returned approximately $1.5 billion to shareholders. Okay, now understand this, 20 straight years of increasing the dividend payout is outstanding, okay? Nike is five years away from becoming a dividend aristocrat, okay? What is a dividend aristocrat? A company that has paid out and increased the dividend payout year over year for 25 straight years. Like Nike is a growth company, but now we're talking about them becoming the dividend aristocrat. Like this is this is what I like to see in terms of value when, when I see value in terms of companies. Now the dividend they paid out in this in this particular quarter was 480 million, up 11% from the prior year. Share repurchases of one billion dollars, reflecting nine million retired shares. There were purchases of. 0.7 billion, so 700 million, reflecting 6.5 million shares retired under the company's previous four-year $15 billion approved program back in 2018, and 0.3 billion, reflecting 2.5 million shares subsequently retired under the company's current four-year $18 billion program approved in June of this year. Now, this is good. Buying back shares, okay, adding value to shareholders. Not only do they have a four-year program and they reinstituted the program, but they increased, okay, it from $15 billion to $18 billion. So that's going to continue to add value to shareholders as long as you hold the shares, right? Under the $15 billion program, which was terminated in August 2022, a total of 83.8 million shares for 9.4 billion where we purchased okay so that's something that we want to consider and understand and so now we're done with with looking at the results okay let's come down and let's look at the balance sheet okay let's start with the consolidated statements of income and we need to look at the revenue so like i said the revenue was about 12.7 billion but what i want to see that the revenue was up four percent but the cost of sales right the cost of sales 
increased from 6.5 billion to a little over 7 billion okay so that's really where where we see the problem we see the problem in terms of the decrease the decrease in the gross margin was because of the increase in the cost of sales so that decreased the gross profit that the company had and then you and then, then you also had the increase in the demand creation expense you had the deep you had the increase in the overhead expense so your total selling and administrative expense that also increased as well and so that also allowed us to understand that we had a lower income before taxes right income tax expense was also increasing and so that's how our net income those are all the reasons why the net income okay decreased from 1.87 billion down to 1.468 and the earnings per share was at a dollar and 18 cents and 94 cents per share now like i said before we understand that nike has been dealing with some problems in the supply chain dealing with problems in the supply chain but i truly believe that the company is is the company is committed to working these things out. Now, let's look at the consolidated balance sheet for the company. And the one thing I want to tell you is that Nike still, even with the issues that they had in profit, okay, they still have a very strong balance sheet. Now, cash and cash equivalents decreased 33%, but the short-term investments, they increased 56%. And so remember, when we're looking at balance sheets, we always want to start off by looking at the total current assets and the total current liabilities. We need that to be positive. We need more total current assets than we have total current liabilities. And just so we can do a refresher, okay, because I think it's been a while since we talked about some balance sheets, total current assets means the money that the means the assets, okay, and the money that the company is expected to receive within the next 12 months. Within the next 12 months, anytime you see current on a balance sheet, we're talking about within the next 12 months. Current liability is the same thing on the opposite side. The money that is expected to go out of the business over the next 12 months. And we see what and we see that's positive. The company has almost 29 billion in current assets with 11 billion in current liabilities. So more than double, more than double, nearly triple the current liability. So the company is doing very, very well from, from a good balance sheet perspective. Now, the one thing I want to tell you is that look right here at the inventories, right? Look, let's just focus on the inventories here for a second. Inventories are up 44% year over year. Now that's considered an asset, right? It's considered an asset on the balance sheet, the inventory that they have, but the inventories are going to decrease and the amount of profit that they're going to be able to generate from the inventories is going to decrease probably over the next quarter or two. So keep that in mind from an inventory perspective, but nevertheless, they're still fine. Now, why is that? It's because I like to see the company's cash versus the company's debt. Okay, now the company, now when you add the cash and cash equivalents plus the short-term investments, you're looking at over $11 billion, okay, in cash, okay, almost, there's nearly $12 billion in cash, We're looking at $8.9 billion in long-term debt, so this is good because the cash outweighs the debt, that means that it, when, when your cash outweighs the debt on the balance sheet, that is very, very solid, that means that in a worst-case scenario, if something happens, you are going to be able to fund short-term 
issue that you're going to have. Look, a company that is a company that is low on debt or is paying down debt is very hard for that company to go out of business. Again, it's very hard for a company with low debt to go out of business. Okay, so let's look at the divisional revenues. Okay, so let's look at the breakdown. How does Nike actually make revenue? We look at Nike, we understand who Nike is, we understand the brand, but how do they make revenue and where does the revenue come from? Okay, let's start with North America. Okay, so North America, they have $5.5 billion in revenue. Okay, $5.5 billion in revenue. That was an increase year over year. And $3.8 billion of that revenue came from footwear. Okay, so, so shoes, right? The shoes. It's got to be the shoes, right? So that's good. And, and so we understand where Nike's stronghold is, and the stronghold is in the shoes. Okay, $1.4 billion, one, almost $1.5 billion came from apparel. $211 million came from equipment. Okay, Europe, Middle East, and Africa. 3.3 billion. Okay, we, we had an increase year over year, right? The footwear, 2 billion. Okay, apparel, 1.1 billion. So we see a consistent, we see a consistent here. Nike is performing well in the footwear category. Now, Greater China. Greater China, the company had 1.6, almost 1.7 billion, with 1.2 being footwear. Okay, but if we look at it from a year-over-year -year standpoint, the company is down 16%, okay, year-over-year, -year, and 13% excluding currency exchange rate, exchange rates, right? So Greater China did not perform well this year. Now, why was that? It's because China has been, China's economy is not doing very well right now. Part of that reason is because of the COVID lockdowns that China has been dealing with, okay? China still is under lockdown, okay? They are still under lockdown. If they've been dealing with COVID lockdowns, that's affecting the amount of revenue that companies are able to generate. So we need to watch that greater China situation. But I still believe that greater China situation is only temporary. It's only a temporary situation. And the global economies are going to write themselves back around and they're going to get themselves back right. I believe that they will be able to write the ship. Now, last division, the last region, okay, Asia, Pacific, and Latin America, 1.5 billion total in revenue, 1 billion coming from footwear, 413 million coming from apparel. So the company is getting so much money from footwear. And the good thing that I like about APLA, Asia Pacific and Latin America, they are increasing the revenue year over year. Okay, so we come down to the total Nike brand, the total Nike brand, right? 12 billion in total, 8.1 billion from footwear, 3.4 billion from apparel, 486 million from equipment and 14 million from global brand division. So when you look at the breakdown of the revenue, about 67% of the revenue comes from footwear. Okay, so we see that Nike is a strong, has a stronghold in the footwear area. Now you may say, man, does Nike have too much revenue coming from footwear? I personally do not think so. I am personally, I am personally fine with that. Why? Because they have that moat, they have that strong competitive advantage in footwear that's going to be very, very hard for you to take away. 
This is a statistic that I want to talk about with footwear. In Q1, the sneakers app, okay, everybody that likes those Jordans, everybody that's tapping in, right? Sneakers saw its most member entries ever for the Travis Scott Air Jordan 1s that dropped in July with a record 3.8 million member entries for a single shoe, okay? Nike is doing exactly what they what they need to do. Remember what the CFO said. The CFO said that they are focused on the consumer, right? They're focused on the consumer and that brand loyalty. Everybody wants those Jordans. Everybody wants to tap in with the sneakers app. Every single Wednesday, we've got a new release coming out. Okay, we've got a new release coming out. But remember, keep this in mind. Make sure that you buy it. Make sure that you buy the stock first. Okay, before you buy the shoes, make sure that you become an owner. Okay, before you buy the shoes, right? So, you know, earnings before interest and taxes. Let's look at how to profit. How how did the profit shake out? 1.377 billion in profit from North America, down 4%. The Europe, Middle East, and Africa, 975 million, up 11%. So, so they're doing better in Europe, Middle East, and Africa. That's what I like to see, right? Greater China, 541 million, down 23%, right? So, so we see that, that that is a big that is a big problem with the profit, right? The big problem with the profit was in greater China, okay? Asia Pacific and Latin America, $500 million in profit, up 4% year over year. And so when we look at this, we understand the inventory problem in North America that they had. I believe that's temporary. They can work that out. And we had COVID lockdowns that, that have affected the Chinese economy, that, that, again, is something that I believe is temporary and something that I believe they can work out. Now, we've looked at this. We've looked at kind of what the company reported. What are they talking about? How are things doing? Okay. The next thing I want to look at, I want to look at the EPS, right? EPS. Now, what is EPS? EPS is the earnings per share. Okay. EPS is the earnings per share. Now, when we are looking at earnings per share, we want to see the annual earnings per share increase year over year. Okay, and what we can do is the earnings per share tells us the amount of profit that the company is generating. So, for example, if we had $1 in earnings per share and we had 10 outstanding shares for the business, that means the company generated $10 in net income, $10, right? And so we can take the earnings per share and we can multiply it times the outstanding shares. That gives us the net income that the company generated for the business. Now we want to see these net estimates continue to increase year over year. And so like I said, the stock took a big hit. Stock has been taking a major hit all year long. But if we look at this for physical year 2022, Nike reported $3.75 in annual estimates, right? And they're forecasting a decrease in physical 2023, so $2.98 in annual estimates, right? But in 2024, we're getting back up. We're getting back up above. We're getting to $3.78. 2025, we're getting to $4.52. 
And by 2020, Saints will be looking at $5.55 in earnings per share. Now, remember this. These are just estimates, right? These are estimates that we get from analysts because they're looking at the models. They're looking at the discounted cash flow models, and they're trying to establish, and they're trying to see, do we believe it's going to continue to increase year over year? Now, I believe that Nike will write the ship. I still believe in, in the company from a long-term perspective. And so I believe that the company will right the ship and get things better year over year. Okay, now we've talked about a lot of different things that have been going on with the company. We talked about what the company has been doing, okay, from, you know, earning standpoint, sales standpoint, you know, what is management telling us? Okay, that's important. You know, all of that stuff is very, very important. Okay, but there's one um, there's one PDF that I want us to look at, and there's one PDF that we need to tap in with and a PDF that we need to see, okay? And, 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 and this is the thing that I really, truly want us to understand because when we look at a stock, okay, when we look at a stock, you know, we can't be emotional around buying or selling it, right? You know, we really, truly can't be emotional around buying or selling a stock, so when we look at stocks, we have to have reasons to buy stocks and reasons to sell. And so we're going to establish, okay, what are some reasons that we should be buying Nike stock? And what are some reasons that we should be selling Nike stock? Okay, that, that, that's important. What are some reasons for us to be buying Nike stock? And what are some reasons for us to be selling Nike stock? Now, this is the one thing I want to tell you about this report that we have, right? And, and now this is a PDF report and this PDF report, okay, is, is from Zach's, okay? The, 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 this, is, the, this is Zach's investment report, okay? And let me zoom in a little bit so we can see these, so we can see this report very, very well. Okay, now, now as a, when you have a brokerage account, if you have a brokerage account or if you have an IRA with Fidelity, Fidelity will give you the Zacks investment research reports. And these research reports will go through projected price targets. They'll go, to, they'll go through projected earnings and they'll go through reasons to buy and sell the stock. Fundamental analysis, because what we're going through right now is that we're looking at fundamental analysis for the company. And that's important for us to understand, should we buy or should we sell the stock? Understand the negatives, that are, that are happening with the company and understand the positives that can happen with the company. Now, let's start off with the bad news, right? Let's, let's go ahead and get the bad news out of the way. Now, what are some reasons to sell Nike stock? Now, drab year-over-year -year results hurt the Nike stock. Shares of Nike have lost 6.6% in the past three months, probably more than that. Compared with the industry's decline of 6.1%, the stock's dismal run on the Borises can be due to drab year-over-year -year results in fourth quarter physical 2022. Despite revenue and earnings beat, the resurgence of COVID-19 in greater China and the exit from the Russia business hurt results. Notably, the company's earnings per share of 90 cents decreased 3% from 93% reported in the year-ago quarter. Revenues of the swoosh brand owner dipped 1% year over year to 12.2 billion. Now, now that's important for us to understand. 
Now the stock appears overvalued. Consider the price to consider price to earnings PE ratio. Nike looks overvalued compared with the broader industry and the S and P 500. The stock has a trailing 12 month PE ratio of 25.5, which is below the median level of 34.68 and the high level of 47.09. On the contrary, the trailing 12 month PE ratio for the for the industry is 22.39 and 16.86 for the S&P 500. Given these factors, we believe that the stock is quite stretched from the PE aspect. Now, the PE ratio is very, very important for understanding the valuation of a company, but we have to be careful with the PE ratio because you can only compare the PE ratio to the same companies in your industry, right? The PE ratio of the same companies in the industry. And so I don't want to compare the PE ratio of Nike to the PE ratio of the entire S&P 500 because those companies are told are so many different companies, right? So many different companies, so many different industries, so many different sectors, right? I don't want to compare the PE ratio of Nike to the PE ratio of everybody in the world. I only want to compare Nike to companies in the same industry, companies like Lululemon, okay? Maybe even a company like Crocs, okay? A, a small cap company like Crocs. That's what I want to look at. So, so we want to be careful. We want to be wary of the 12-month PE ratio and also... It's looking at a 12-month trailing P ratio, the trailing. So, so, so the 12-month P ratio behind us. When we look at the P ratio, let's look at the forward P ratio, right? We, we want to look ahead. We we understand what stocks have done in the past. And, and, and past performance is a very good indication of future performance. But at the same time, we want to establish what do we believe that the company can produce a year from now. What do we what do we believe that the company can produce two, three, five years from now? So when you're looking at PE ratio, we understand the trailing 12-month PE ratio, the PE ratio behind us. Let's look at what the PE ratio is going to be ahead of us, right? So I just want to put a little bit of context around when they say the stock appears overvalued. Now, impacts on greater China. In greater China, fourth quarter physical 2022 revenues fell 19% year over year on a reported basis and 20% on a currency neutral basis. The region was impacted by the resurgence of the COVID-19 outbreak, affecting more than 100 cities and 60% of its business. Okay, that's a big portion of the business, y'all. And although lockdowns lifted in specific trade zones in late April, May, and early June, the company remains cautious of greater China due to the uncertainty around additional COVID-19 disruptions. We expect revenues for greater China to decline 18.6% year over year in the first quarter physical 2023. Now, they were a little light. They actually declined a little bit more than that, but that's something that the company is expecting, right? I, I think that the I think that that thirteen percent drop that we had last Friday, they kind of already priced that in in a way. Now, dismal margins in Q four, and they, and when they say dismal dismal margins, they're talking about profit margins, right? In fourth quarter fiscal twenty twenty two, Nike's growth profit declined three percent year over year to five point five billion, while the gross margin contracted eighty basis points to forty five percent. 
The decline in the gross margin can be attributed to higher inventory obsolescence reserves in greater China and increased freight and logistics costs. This was partly negated by the company's pricing actions, favorable changes in foreign current foreign currency exchange rates, including hedges and margin expansion in the Nike direct business. The company expects the gross margin to be flat to down 50% for physical 2023 and the gross margin is expected to benefit in the mid-single digits from pricing actions and continue gain from the shift to a more direct business. This is likely to be offset by a 100 basis point headwind from elevated ocean freight and product costs. Supply chain investments and the normalization of historically low markdown rates. Further, foreign exchange is likely to be a 30 basis point headwind to the gross margin, owing to the strength of the U.S. dollar. It expects more than a 100 basis points decline in the gross margin for the physical first quarter, owing to efforts to streamline supply and demand in greater China, moreover increased higher promotional activity to sell seasonal inventory, which has arrived late to a combination of factory closures and longer transit times is likely to hurt the gross margin. Now, like I said, like I said previously, we are going into a high, higher promotional activity, right? And all companies are dealing with this, right? And so everything that we're looking at, the market is trying to price all of this stuff in, right? With what's going on in the company. Now, higher SGNA expenses. With the return of sporting activities and events, Nike reported elevated selling and administrative expenses in fourth quarter physical 2022. SGNA expenses rose 8% due to higher operating overhead and demand creation expenses. As a percentage of sales, SGNA expenses expanded 270 basis points from the prior year quarter to 33%. Demand creation expenses increased 6% year over year to 1.061 billion, owing to increased sports marketing expenses and sustained investments in digital marketing to support elevated digital demand. Operating overhead expenses were up 8% to $2.974 billion on higher wage-related expenses and Nike direct variable costs, as well as increased technology investments to support digital transformation. In fiscal 2023, the company expects SG&A expenses to increase in the high single digits to low double digits, driven by continued investments in people, brands, new stores, and transformations capabilities. Now, remember, I stated earlier that Nike is a growth company. You can't be a growth company without investing back into the business. And so, you know, we see some elevated expenses. I think that these could be, you know, worked out. You know, they may be on that high end, okay? But but I believe that the Nike, I believe that Nike is going to, I believe that they're going to spend money wisely. They're not going to spend money just haphazardly, right? Now, supply chain concerns, okay? In the fourth quarter of physical 2022, Nike experienced product shortages, a shortage due to the ongoing industry-wide supply chain disruptions. Excuse me. This, uh, this along with elevated in-transit inventories due to extended lead times, dampened the company's ability to meet consumer demand. Also, elevated ocean freight and logistics costs acted as deterrents. Although management undertook pricing actions to mitigate this, it is yet to bore fruits. Now, competitive pressure. 
right? Nike faces intense competition in the footwear industry from other big guns on several attributes such as brand recognition, fashion, price, service, store location, and quality. Failure to offer high-quality products at a competitive price may hamper Nike's market share and consequently dent both top-line and bottom-line growth. Now, you know, we're talking about the top line is that revenue. Bottom line is the profit. And so, you know, when we look at this, Nike continues to reel under supply chain headwinds, also rising costs to support brand and digital investments, as well as increased freight and logistics costs remain concerning. Now, all of these things are reasons to sell the stock, right? This is this is the bearish argument. This is just this is just the bearish argument. But you have to ask yourself, will it always be like this? And, and now to, to, to talk about the reason to sell. Let's go over the reasons to buy. Okay, let's look at the reasons to buy. Now, the first thing that we talk about is Nike's Q2 gain from strong demand, compelling products, and solid online show. Going ahead, the company remains confident of its performance in fiscal 2023. Now, the company has robust surprise, tens bodes well. Now, Nike boasts a, a robust surprise trend, which continued in fourth quarter fiscal 2022. The company reported the eighth and the third straight quarters of earnings and revenue beat, respectively. Results reflect gains from its consumer direct acceleration strategy, along with strong demand, compelling products, and robust performance in its digital and direct-to-consumer businesses, right? That's going to generate more profit for the company. Strength in EMEA and APLA regions also remained upsides. Going ahead, the company remains confident of its performance in physical 2023, driven by brand strength, consumer connections, and product pipeline, and normalizing of inventory supply in North America, EMEA, and APLA. Okay, management expects physical 2023 revenues to increase in the low double digits on a currency neutral basis. For first quarter physical 2023, the company expects real dollar revenue growth to be flat to up slightly. Okay, also, favorable traffic trends aid Nike Direct in store businesses. Okay, in fourth quarter physical 2022, sales at Nike Direct were $4.8 billion, up 7% on a reported basis and 11% on a currency neutral basis. The Nike Direct business benefited from growth across regions and strength in Nike Digital, on strong demand across its app ecosystem. The Nike brand revenues were $11.6 billion, down 1% year-over-year on a reported basis. Revenues for the brand rose 3% on a constant neutral basis. Strength in EMEA and APLA regions aided the results. Organic Nike Direct revenues were led by a 25% in EMEA, 43% growth in APLA, and 5% gain in North America offset by declines in greater China. The Nike brand digital revenues improved 15% on a reported basis and 18% on a currency neutral basis based on double-digit growth in APLA, North America, and EMEA. Nike-owned stores revenues increased 1% on a currency neutral basis. Now, that's very, very good, okay? We understand that strength that the company is having in that Nike Direct, and I believe they're going to continue to be able to grow that Nike Digital. Now, the strength in the EMEA and the APLA region, okay? Nike is having very, very good growth globally. 
Okay, in the fourth quarter of physical 2022, revenues in North America rose 9% on a reported basis and 20% on a currency neutral basis to $3.25 billion. The continuation of sporting activities, including growth in running and fitness, performance franchises such as Metcon and Mercurial, and apparel launches aided sales in this region. This improvement also driven by broad-based growth across channels, consumer dimensions, and product engines. In APLA, Nike revenues advanced 15% on a reported basis and 24% on a currency neutral basis to $1.682 billion. Revenues gained from double-digit currency neutral growth across Korea, Mexico, Southeast Asia, India, and Japan. Strengthened the women's category led by performance running, classics, and lifestyle apparel also aided quarterly growth, okay? This, this right here is very, very key because Nike is growing their regions globally, okay? They're growing their Europe, Middle East, Africa, Asia Pacific, and Latin America, right? If they're able to grow all of their regions globally while greater China, while greater China is down, Imagine once what, what will happen when Greater China gets back online. When Greater China gets back online and performs the way it's capable to perform and North America also comes along, you're going to have a global brand that is generating a lot of revenue and a lot of profit. Okay, so the digital business plays key role. Nike has been benefiting from the permanent shift to consumer behaviors to digital as well as health and wellness. The company is well positioned to gain from this shift thanks to its efficient digital ecosystem that comprises of its online site as well as commercial and activity apps. In the physical fourth quarter, Nike brand's digital revenues improved 15% on a reported basis and 18% on a currency neutral basis, banking on double-digit growth in APLA, North America, and EMEA. In North America, digital sales grew 11% owing to low markdown rates and lower availability of inventory supply. Nike digital penetration reached 27% in the quarter, driven by growth in the Nike app. In the quarter, Pegasus was the best in performance footwear, followed by Jordan Launch and classics like Dunk and Blazer. In EMEA, the Nike digital business grew 21%. Driven by favorable sell-through in launches, better full-price sales mix, and lower markdown rates. Nike digital revenues in greater China improved in the low single digits owing to quickly shifting inventory to meet the strong digital demand. Also, it witnessed a 59% jump in Nike digital in the APLA region. Think global. The company's app accounted for 50% of total digital demand driven by robust digital traffic and Nike app downloads. And also, the app represents 24% of its total digital revenues in the physical fourth quarter. This is a shift being led by the consumer as they pursue the most personalized shopping experience Nike provides. It remains on track to deliver on its physical 2025 outlook. For physical 2025, the company expects revenue growth to be led by Nike Direct, which is anticipated to represent 60% of revenues on strong digital growth. It is best Nike-owned and partner digital to reach 50% business mix in physical 2025 with Nike-owned digital to account for 40% 
of the business. Now, that's very, very important. Understand this, okay? The Nike Commerce app had its highest traffic in history during Q1 2023. Gen Z member demand is growing more than 25% versus last year on Nike's digital platforms. Understand that Generation Z is very, very important to your growth as a business, okay? They're the young generation. They're coming up. The, decision, the decisions that they make, they are going to set the culture. The decisions that they make are going to determine if your business is going to be strong or if your business is not going to be so strong. So seeing this right here really, truly makes me feel good about the digital business. Now, financial looks strong. Like we always talk about Nike's strong balance sheet, okay? Nike ended physical 2022 with strong liquidity including cash and short-term investments of $12.9 billion, its long-term debt of $8.9 million, down 5.3% on a sequential basis. Its debt-to-capitalization ratio of 0.38% compares favorably with the prior quarter's figure of 0.39%. Its, its times-interest-earned ratio of 33.4% has improved from 32.3% in the prior quarter. Per its physical 2025 view, the company expects to deliver strong free cash flow, maintain a capital expenditure of 3% of revenues, and return on invested capital at a low 30%. Okay, and the last thing, sustained shareholder returns. How has Nike been performing over the long term? Nike is committed to enhancing its shareholder value aided by a strong financial position. Over the past 14 years, the company has distributed reg regular dividends and made share repurchases to improve shareholder returns. In fourth quarter fiscal 2022, the company returned $1.5 billion to shareholders, including dividend payouts of $481 million, share repurchases of $1.1 billion. This resulted in the company returning $5.8 billion to shareholders in physical 2022, including $1.8 billion through dividends and $4 billion through share repurchases, okay? In June 2022, the company authorized an $18 billion share repurchase program on Nike's Class B shares, okay? The program extends for four years. The new program replaces the current $15 billion program, which will be terminated in physical 2023. Nike has a dividend payout ratio of 32.4%, annualized dividend yield of 1.1%, and free cash flow yield of 43.9%. So we look at this, the company is very, very strong in a lot of different areas, okay? And these are the reasons to buy the company. And when you and, and really truly, when I look at these Zach's investment reports, these Zach's investment reports give me give me a reason, and they and they have to ask me are the reasons to buy greater than the reasons to sell. Same thing on the other side are the reasons to sell greater than the reasons to buy. And so when I look at that and, and I understand that. I have to look at this and, and, you know, make that analysis and understand that and make that decision as an investor and really truly think about, think about this like an investor, right? Like, what am I thinking about when I'm looking at Nike, you know, and Nike, like I said, I believe in Nike over the long term, strong, strong. I, I have strong belief in Nike over the long term and Nike, the management in Nike, 
okay, the consumers that love Jordan, okay, that love Jordan, they're going to have to prove me wrong before I sit up here and say that I'm just going to turn my back on Nike. Now, before we get out of here, we have to look at the charts, right? We have to look at the charts. We have to look at the price. Let's see. Let's let's look at some long-term trajectories. Let's look at some good prices and let's see where we can get in and out, right? Let's let's go ahead and share this screen, okay? Let's let's go to it. Let's go to it here. Okay. Yeah, so let me stop sharing this screen here and let me pull up the chart. Let's pull up the chart. And I'm pulling up this chart and I'm pulling up Thinkorswim. And you know, I like Thinkorswim. You know, I like Thinkorswim a lot. And, and, and I think that you all should should tap in with Thinkorswim. And so what I want to show us first, and, and I really just want to provide some context for us here. Okay. Like I, I really just want to provide some context for us here first, you know, before we even look at nike okay before we even look at nike i just want to provide some context here for us you know because it's, it's going to be very very important for us to understand you know the context understand the context of things and understand that we need to have a long-term viewpoint when we look at stocks you know a long-term viewpoint is very very important and when we have that long-term viewpoint you know, this is great because then we can understand that the long term is going to win out. You know, the long term is going to win out over, over, over time. And, and so that's important. That's what I want to look at. And so the first chart that I am showing us here is, is just a long term chart of the S&P 500. OK, this is SPY, ticker symbol SPY, and this is a monthly chart. So every single candle that we have here on SPY represents the trading that occurred in a month. And, and if you look at this over, and this is like over almost a 10, this, this is a 10 year time span. This is a 10 year time span. And when we look at this, we have dips, right? We have dips, we have breakouts, we have dips, we have breakouts, we have dips. But at the end of the day, the chart's going up and to the right. Now, if we look at this chart, you know, we're going down. You know, we're, we're coming down, but but when we come down, this always gives us an opportunity. It gives us an opportunity to tap in. It gives us an opportunity to generate wealth. It gives us an opportunity to be able to generate wealth, make wealth a priority, and grab great businesses and grab the market on a discounted price from, from an oversold level from the RSI. And, and I'm going to make the RSI just a little bit bigger. This is this is the biggest time frame you're going to look at when you're looking at technical analysis. And right now we are at the lowest level that we have been on the relative strength index, okay? And we're looking at this from a monthly time frame. So put that into perspective when you're really truly thinking about your stocks, okay? Now, let's we talked about SPY, which is the overall S&P 500. Let's look at Nike because let's 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 look at Nike and let's see what Nike has been doing, right? And and let's let's look at a different drawing set. You know, let, let's look at a different drawing set here first. And again, again, I, I want to look at Nike over the 10-year time span, right? I want to look at Nike over the 10-year time span again because I want to put these things into perspective. Let's look at the company. 
over the 10-year time span. The company was at $22.41 10 years ago. The high was $179.10, and we're down to $91.10. But again, the trajectory is still what? It's still up and to the right. There have been dips. There have been valleys. There have been opportunities where we've had times to grab this stock at a discounted price. I think this is another opportunity for us to grab this stock on a discounted price. Okay, this is oversold. Like this is the like remember, this is a monthly time frame. This is the biggest time frame you want to look at when we're looking at monthly charts. Nike is the most oversold it's been in 10 years. Understand the opportunity in 10 years, right? That's that's really truly what I, what I want us to look at and what I want us to evaluate when we look at Nike as a company. Now, let's break it down to a shorter to a shorter time frame. Let's let, let's look at Nike on a weekly time frame, and let's look at let's look at how Nike has been doing over the last three years. Okay, let's let, let's look at how the company has been performing over the last three years. Now, now, now this is a weekly time frame, and we're, like I said again, we're looking at Nike. Looking at Nike, not Nike, not Nike. I can't even talk. <laughs> We're not looking at Nike. We're looking at Nike. Okay, Nike. Okay, now you know Nike. You know over this weekly time frame, you know. We're back to we're kind of back to where we started from a little bit. <laughs> we're below we're below where we were three years ago, actually. Like, like that's that's how far this company has came down. And we're oversold on a weekly time frame. Oversold. When you see a company oversold, that's when you want to start buying. That's when you that's when you want to start buying. Now, you you know I love looking at my Fibonacci retracements. And if and if you're if you're new to the trade for yourself podcast, I love tapping in with the Fibonacci retracements levels over a long-term time frame. Over a long-term time frame, because the Fibonacci retracements. Think about it like this. Well, let's just think about it like this. Okay, the stock market is largely algorithmic. Okay, algorithmic trading commences a lot. Your institutional investors, right? Your Black Rocks, your Vanguard, your State Streets. Your, your Berkshire Hathaways, right? Your major hedge funds, right? They they trade on algorithms and they trade on price and they have certain prices set, right? They have certain prices set that they want to buy stocks at. And so Fibonacci retracements just gives you good entries that you want to get into on stocks. Now, Fibonacci retracements, you want to draw from the 52-week high all the way down to a major low. And your major low that, that we're looking at right now is from COVID, right? It's from COVID. We came down all the way to $60. Now, the stock came down below this 23.6% Fibonacci retracement. And from a trading perspective, from a trading perspective, when you when you see a stock below the 23.6% Fibonacci retracement from a trading perspective, it's no good. It's, it's no good from a trading perspective because you're just so far below the high. But at this, excuse me, but at the same time, we have to ask ourselves, can we find some value here? Can we find some value at this level? And, I, I'm, not, and I'm not gonna tell you, and I'm not gonna lie to you. If you believe in Nike over the long term, and if you have done the proper research, 
Now is the time for you to begin buying this stock and begin buying this company, okay? Because we've hit major support on the company. We've hit major support. We came all the way down to $82.22, okay? $82.22 because we have major support that occurred over here in April, you know, in April of 2020, in February, in March of 2020, we had some major support that was occurring over here. So I really, truly like these levels that we are getting in. And, and so I really, truly like those levels that we're getting in. Now, let's break down Nike to even, now let's break down to Nike to an even, to an even lower time frame. And, and, and let's look at the daily time frame and, and let's look at how price action has been. Let's look at how price action has been over the, over the last three months. When we look at price action over the last, you know, three months, right? When we look at price action over the last three months. We can see that, you know, price action has not been good, but we came down to this $82.22 and we rested there. We came down and we rested there and we've had some good bouncing off. Like we've had some good bouncing off. So this is telling me that buyers really truly wanted to come in at this $82.22 level since we've had three straight green days. You know, trading has been very elevated on the stock and we've got some gaps here that I see. And we actually got a huge, a huge gap down. Like I said, that 13% that down. But the S&P 500 and the Dow Jones was down today. I believe the NASDAQ was down as well. And Nike is a Dow Jones component. You know, Nike is a Dow Jones component and Nike was up 2.76% today. I'm not exactly sure specifically why Nike is was up so big today, but that's something that we want to think about because you know the stock closed at the stock closed at $95.33, $93.33 before we had that 13% drop. And we've recovered nearly most of that already. Most of that already. So what that tells me is that institutional investors said look nike came too low the value was so so low i had to come in and buy a share i actually did come in and buy a share on that day that nike had dropped okay and so we're looking at nike you know we need to watch price action is now full disclosure is this a stock that i believe you should be trading no I don't think you should be trading it, trading this stock because I do, I do believe and I do agree that the stock is broken. You know, the stock is damaged, but there's a difference between a damaged stock and a damaged company. Okay, the stock may be damaged for a myriad of different reasons due to macroeconomics, different headwinds that may not necessarily be the company's fault. But Nike is far from a damaged company. So when a damaged company is down 50% from its high, when I'm looking at all of the strong things that the company has that can foster the growth over the long term, I like buying this stock at $82. I even like it right now at $91 because it's just so much lower and I have so much faith in, in where the business will grow over the long term. Now, this was a long episode, okay? This is a long episode, but, but I believe that we created a lot of value today. We created a lot of value and really, truly shored up and really answered the question, 
is it time to buy Nike stock? And, you know, I do believe that if you believe in the business and you've done your research, I do believe that now is the time to buy Nike stock. I mean, when you look at Nike stock being at $91.10, look, I know a lot of sneakerheads in my family, okay? I know a lot of sneakerheads in general, okay? I have became a sneakerhead myself, to be honest, with these Jordans. This is what I want to tell you, okay? You can buy a pair of Jordans for $200, right? You're going you're gonna to have to pay a $200 to get a pair of Jordans. But Nike stock is at $91 right now. So you could buy two shares of Nike before you buy, before you can even purchase one pair of Jordans. A pair of Jordans is going to depreciate over time if you wear them and it's not going to provide you the same value. The only thing I want to tell you right now is just to invest into the company, right? If you love Jordans, right? We understand the footwear around the company, right? 87%, not 87%, 67% of the company's revenue comes from footwear. Be an investor into the company, right? Be an investor into the company before you buy the shoes. And so again, I appreciate everybody for tapping in to another episode of the Trade for Yourself podcast. Please like this episode. Please subscribe, okay? Please let me know. Please reach out to me in the comments. Let me know if you like Nike stock. Let me know if you like Nike stock. Let me know if this is a company that you think that you want to add to your portfolio. Is there some fundamental analysis that I missed? Is there some technical analysis that was not as good as what it should have been? Let me know. Let me know so I can make the corrections and so we can learn together and remember, make wealth a priority for all of us together. As always, don't pay for it. Trade for it. I'm tapping with y'all next time.